there, everybody. Today we have a special treat for you. You get to listen to the The Figuring Out Podcast. Don't you feel special? Today we're going to talk about awesome things. And we have special guests on the show, like me and many others. Sit back, relax, and we'll figure it out together. And we're doing it again. Yes. Tell everybody what we're talking about today. Well, before we do, I'm actually really proud of us and how consistent we are with this. So shout out to us. Yeah, kudos to us. And it's worth mentioning uh, because sometimes and often enough, people don't give themselves props. And consistency is one of the hardest things to do in life in anything you do. Um, but both of us are working professionals. We're a parent of two kids. Um Life is busy for us. So the fact that we've been consistently doing this on a weekly basis is an achievement in and of itself. Yeah, I would say that. Um, and that actually brings us into our topic, which is having a growth mindset. Absolutely. And that's the reason we have this book. I brought this book out today. And this book uh, that I will be referencing probably more than once is called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol S. Dweck, a PhD, uh, who has a PhD. She's a professor at Stanford. I believe she uh, studied at Columbia and Yale, if memory serves me right. This is one of many books that talks about mindset, but maybe and possibly the best known book that talks about mindset and in particular or specifically growth mindset. What's growth mindset mean to you? Growth mindset to me is just setting your mind and your intentions to what you want in life. And that also comes with having an open mind. I agree. I think it goes hand in hand. Um, I believe Carol or Professor Dweck, excuse me, refers to it as a fixed mindset. So we see this every day in life, right? The people that uh, tell other people that they dream too big, the people that are stuck in their ways and think that the world is out to get them, think that they're talentless and not intelligent. Those are people we would call and identify as having a fixed mindset. The belief that they're not capable of growing, right? And hence the name growth mindset. That's funny because if I recall, someone close and dear to you actually said that to you. Rick, you dream too big. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's true. And um, I don't want to sound like I'm mudslinging here and throwing that person under the bus, but the person she's referencing is my father. Um, I I grew up, in, and don't get me wrong, my father's a very loving, good person, Um but I grew up hearing my dad tell me, you dream too big. And it was a statement I think you even heard multiple times uh, throughout uh, our relationship. Why do you think that, you know, and not just your dad, I've, I've heard many people. Why do you think they have, I guess, that mindset of, you know, you dream too big? Why do people have that mindset? Yeah. It could be a number of reasons. Uh Specifically, not to echo one of our last episodes, but I think it's sometimes and often enough goes back to their childhood or goes as far back as their childhood, the way they were raised, right? And they pass that on and it's like a domino effect. It keeps being passed along. There's a number of, of, of childhood traumas that can lead to it. More specifically or in addition to that, the life isn't fair. 
right? Let's be honest. Life isn't fair. Uh, shit happens to us throughout our lives. You know, we fall, we tumble. But the difference between someone with a growth mindset and someone with a fixed mindset, the person with a fixed mindset just stays there. They think, oh, this is the, the, the hand that life dealt me or this is the, the, the life that God wants for me. Um, instead of telling themselves, no, I fell, but I can get back up, right? And it's funny because you look at that of a child. A child falls, gets back up. Five minutes later, they stop crying. An adult falls, and I'm, you know, I'm saying that proverbially, but a, an adult trips over themselves or falls into a, a stumble, and it's like they forgot how to get back up. So I think people trick themselves into thinking that, they're stuck where they are. I don't think necessarily they trick themselves. I think more so it's a safety net for them. I think comfort is is an aspect of it, if that's what you're alluding to, right? Yeah. I think people get comfortable telling themselves that that's what... I don't know how, though. I could never be comfortable accepting the status quo. But I guess that's part of it. Um, I, I not Not to echo, and I apologize if you guys have heard me say this before, but I think fear of failure is a big aspect of it. I was just it. thinking the same thing. Right? I, people have this fascination and obsession with avoiding failure. And they think that and this is the problem with calling people smart, right? And Carol Dweck gets into this where you, you don't want to call people smart. You don't want to call people stupid because it almost has the opposite effect, right? You call people smart and they get so stuck in being comfortable with the idea of, or perception of them being smart that they don't go outside their comfort zone, to your point. Yeah. I mean, in a kind of way, I can see where they're coming from because it's also, we feed off of compliments, right? We get called smart and we're like, all right, this is where I need to stay. To be smart. Yeah. Right? Because if I go outside of my comfort zone, I may actually trip over myself. I may actually fail, and then I won't be smart exactly. anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So th- that that's a good point. So the reason we, we decided to talk about this, and this is kind of piggybacking over or on one of our last episodes uh, on a similar topic, with which was, do you remember what we titled that episode? The one about um, self-doubt? I forgot the exact name that we titled the episode, but we we got in, in pretty deep about the idea of self-doubt, and this is kind of the next step to build off of overcoming self-doubt, which is really having a growth mindset and being in that mindset that with hard work and dedication, you can be whatever you set out to be, right? And you look at the top 1%. You look at the winners compared to the losers. What do they all have in common? Beyond the fact that they don't have self-doubt, beyond the fact that they have confidence in themselves, that group of people or that audience, that those folks, they believe that they can achieve it, right? right? They have this mindset that if they work harder than the others, they're going to get it. And a lot of people refer to this by different names, right? Carol Dweck calls it a growth mindset. Um, some people call it the secret, the law of attraction, I think they're all kind of referring to the same thing in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Do you remember the secret? Do you want to tell people about that? It's pretty much from what I gathered from it. Um, if you set your mind to this one particular thing. Right. Then, and, and you, it's repetition, right? It's kind of like training it's, it's your brain. It's the law of attraction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, again, many people see it as different things, but... If you train your mind and you constantly think about this one specific thing, then eventually you're going to be able to get that 
one specific thing that you're thinking about. Right. And, and again, to echo our previous episode on a similar topic is you're programming your subconscious mind in a way, right? You're telling your mind, this is what I'm working towards. And you, what your mind is doing, particularly your subconscious, that's working at a rapid rate, firing all sorts of bits, millions of bits of information per second, is it's working to towards that. And what you don't realize is you're actually going to do what you need to do to accomplish it. So what I mean by that, for example, if someone's telling themselves that they're going to become a doctor, a medical doctor, let's just say, or in your case, a nurse practitioner, right? You're going to school to become a nurse practitioner. That's your goal. That's what you're working towards. Even when you're sleeping, that's what you're thinking about. Even when you're not thinking about it, your subconscious is thinking about it. And you're arming yourself with things that you need to do to be successful in that field. Right. I I think the whole thing with growth mindset is that it's exactly what it is, growth, right? And how are you going to grow without having challenges along the way right how do you grow without thinking that you can grow i think that's step one yeah right so many people think that they get here and that's the cap the reason people become billionaires the reason people become successful is because there is no cap there is no ceiling in their mind they're embracing those challenges right and they believe that they can they can continue to learn to your point. They believe that they continue, that it's possible to get higher and higher and higher. Or better yet, they're using those challenges as an opportunity for growth. Well said. Yeah. Well said, right? And and they're using whatever failures as lessons learned to continue on in their journey. Ooh, look at me being all into the topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about it. And, you know, it's worth, again, Talking about it because of the benefits. What are some of the benefits of having a growth mindset, you think? You feel good, period. I agree. You feel good. You you feel good. And I think that's where happiness stems from. I think happiness, there's a direct correlation with happiness and a growth mindset. It's very hard for someone with a growth mindset to be found depressed or sad. Frankly, there's no room to be depressed or sad because you're working towards something, right? You're learning something. You're growing in whatever endeavor or likely many endeavors that you're going through. Or there's not even an opportunity for a negative outlook because you're so focused on your goal that you don't, like I said, with embracing the challenges, you don't even care if you get knocked down, right? I'm going to look for another way for me to go ahead and be lifted up. I'm going to look for another way for me to go ahead and reach that goal. So it's it's kind of like, think of it as like this positive jelly bean. And I don't know why I said jelly bean, but that's what I thought about. Keep this, going, I'm this, interested. This positive jelly bean. And this jelly bean is so tasteful. And it doesn't matter what you do or say to this jelly bean, this jelly bean knows it's the shit. And this jelly bean knows that it's on a journey to becoming a better version of itself. Right. I appreciate you going along with the jelly bean thing. It's all, um, <laughs> anything for you, jelly bean. And look, there's a number of examples of people that have failed but had a growth mindset and continued on. And I have a list that I put together. J.K. Rowling. Who's J.K. Rowling? Hey, that's from Harry Potter. (laughs) That's the author of Harry Potter, right? The author of Harry Potter uh, was rejected by 12 publishers. Did you know this? I did. She was rejected by 12 publishers before finally being accepted by uh, Bloomsbury. I don't want to miss 
speak, but I'm pretty sure if she's not a billionaire, she's well on her way to becoming one. Yeah, and she's still creating content to this day. Right, and she's got books, she's got movies that are credit to her, she's got video games. Imagine that. Your typical person, your average Joe who has a fixed mindset, would have quit. And that's, again, the difference. Your typical person quits before they reach their success. People think that success is innate. They think it's going to be right there around the corner, but it's not. It takes time. That's part of the journey of life. Who's another person? Thomas Edison. You, I often am heard... Uh, Quoting Thomas Jefferson, right? He, he People asked about his failures. And what's his famous quote? Do you remember? He's like, I didn't fail. I just found X amount of ways of how to not make a light bulb. Yeah, yeah. But Thomas Edison, uh, the inventor of the light bulb and many other innovations, failed over 10,000 times before yeah. finding the solution that worked. 10,000 times. Michael Jordan. Michael he's Jordan. A, that's a great example. example. That's he, a great example. He actually originally went into baseball. Right? Yeah, and somehow ended. Well, he didn't. I don't think he started in baseball. I think he 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 spent some time in baseball after his basketball career, and that didn't work out. But he had a to your point. He had an excellent time in his basketball career. Yeah, yeah, that's right. True. So Michael Jordan, the basketball legend. I think he was cut from his high school basketball team. And imagine that being a high schooler getting cut from the team. Who would think that you'd go on to becoming? the superstar that he that he became the super basketball star that he became but he became furiously obsessed with being the best version of himself right and you know we're talking about all these big people but i'm going to give an example of myself i started college in 2011 and i i didn't know what the heck i wanted to major in and i went to the uh what is it called the registration office, or I, I met with an advisor, and we're going through options. And I thought I was going to go pre-med, honestly, mm. because it was, it was just the easiest, you know, not that it's an easy curriculum, but just the easiest thing that I can be like, I want to do this because I knew I love science. And I remember clearly to this day her telling me, well, uh, there's the nursing program, but, you know, not a lot of people get into the the nursing program it's really don't you love here. that when people doubt you yeah yeah the difference between you and i or us and and your typical joe is we take that and we use that as fire yeah right or better yet we use that as gas on our fire wait so let me tell my story finish going i'm sorry <laughs> all right so i remember I, I looked at her when she said that and i don't know what it was but it was like it was like this fire burning inside of me and instead of actually just punching her in her face, which is exactly yes. what I wanted to do, I said, you know what? Sign me up. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And not going to lie, I did not finish nursing school at Lehman because I did fail my, my uh, HESI exam. You, you faced some challenges and hurdles, as all, almost everyone does in your field. Right. But I failed. But the difference was that I was not afraid to get back up. I, I failed there. Fine. What was the next be best thing? I went... I did my homework because things are not handed to you. You have to do your homework too. You have to do your due diligence. And that's a key aspect of this. The growth mindset doesn't mean you just wish it and it happens. No, it's hard work and dedication. You have to put in the effort. Yeah. And so I found the College of New Rochelle, which is uh, no. No more. <laughs> it's actually funny. They say CNR, College of No redemption Red I no i think it's exactly what it is but it's insane they, they closed down long story short but i found the, the college in rochelle and 
here's another setback. I entered the college and I didn't have a course that I needed to start into the nursing program right you away. You were missing one of the prerequisites? Uh, yeah, which Lehman didn't need at all. Right, because every university and every school is different. So here I am, another setback. Now I have to waste a semester. Well, not waste, right? Now I have to take a semester of nutrition. That was mm. the course. Okay. What didn't take it too seriously because I was kind of discouraged. I failed. I failed nutrition mm. and th- I didn't give up. So I took nutrition the next semester. I passed it and I got into the nursing program and happily to say I'm a nurse of five years and a good one at that. Right. <laughs> That's right. A good one at that because people think that exams define you. Exams don't define you. No. And I, I personally have a problem with standardized testing and testing in general because it's been used and abused. Um, and I, that's a topic in and of itself probably for a different day. Um, but that's a great story. And it's a great story because it's one of resilience. It's one of a growth mindset, right? We hear stories about people in nursing curriculums. And, and for those of you that don't know, the nursing curriculum is extremely challenging and difficult. It's not for everyone. No, if, it's actually in the... And by saying, I just want to clarify, by saying it's not for everyone, I mean, I mean it's not for the weak of heart or the faint of heart. It's for those that are going to be dedicated and committed to the program. It's actually in the Book of Guinness that it is the number one degree that is difficult to obtain. The most challenging degree? Yeah. So it has a, is it a Guinness World Record? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I believe it because it, it, it's basically having a medical degree without having a medical degree. Yeah. Right. Uh, for those of you that don't know, in the world of medicine, particularly emergency medicine, right, and that's one of your specialties is being in the ER or the ED, as you all call it, um, nurses are your are really your boots on the ground. They're the ones that are tending to patients before doctors. They're the ones, often enough, that are telling doctors what to do. Uh, not literally, but in the sense where they're giving the doctor advisement, saying, hey, this patient came in, I think they have XYZ, I think you need to give them ABC medicine. The reason why we're able to do that is because we spend more time with the patient. We actually, and that's what separates, not to knock doctors. like No, and that's not you. knocking doctors. That's not what I was intending. But we actually sit down, and it's crazy now because with the world we live in and everything that's going on, we don't really have that time anymore. But nurses will sit there, and a good one at that, they will sit there and get not just the main story of why they're there, but the whole story, if that makes sense. Yeah, and they're interested in that whole story. And they have a little bit more, not that they have more time, but they nursing, especially bedside nursing, there there's this conceptualization where you're putting the patient first, right? And I forgot the, the terminology that you all use, but there's a particular methodology to it where you have to hear the patient out. Uh, it's part of, of the science. It's part of the approach. Uh, understanding their culture, their language barriers, so on and so forth, is part of providing patient-focused care, I think, is, is often what it's referred to mm-hmm. uh, or something like Patient-centered that. Patient-centered care. Patient-centered yeah. care, right? Because that's how you're going to provide the best medicine. So thank you for sharing that story. I, I'm going to share an, uh, an example of mine, and then we'll. I want to reference a few other popular ones. Um, I, I've had multiple times in my life where I've had major setbacks, uh, both as an individual and even as, you know, uh, a relationship uh, couple, uh, right? We've had yeah. setbacks as, as couples. Um, Almost didn't make it many times. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, what I meant by that is we've experienced challenges to, that we faced on together. We've experiences we've experienced challenges between each other. Yeah, uh, but one of the ones that comes to my mind uh, was right as I was finishing my undergrad degree. It was actually before I, f- I was done with my undergrad degree. I was looking for a new job. I was in retail management and I was kind of getting to the point where I had to make a decision. Am I going to continue to try to grow in retail management, right? I'm about to have my bachelor's in business administration. Do I continue to climb this retail ladder or do I go out and explore now? So I did just that. I did the ladder. I went out and I explored and I I started applying to jobs. Um, At the time I was a sales and training manager in, in a retail outlet. So I applied to sales jobs, uh, particularly sales management jobs. And I'll never forget, and I think I told you this story, but I went on an interview. This was for some sort of energy company. And I was I just want to say I was a pretty damn good sales and training manager. I was one of the best salespeople um, when I was a salesperson and, and you know, had one of the, the best sales teams uh, when I was a sales and training manager. Uh, but I'll never forget, I went on an interview, and I, and I was actually impressed that I got the job because it was like a sales management, a national sales manager job, and I didn't even have my degree yet. But part of marketing yourself is trying to make yourself bigger than you actually even are, if that makes sense. Yeah. So anyways, I kind of finagle my way into getting an interview. I'm interviewing with the CEO of this decently sized energy company, and he comes in, and I'm young at the time. I'm probably 20. 19, 20 years old, right? But you would think I'm older on my resume because of all the experience I had. I started working at 16. So I had two years of law firm experience because I worked at a law firm when I was 16 or started when I was 16. So I looked a lot older on paper than I actually was and am. Long story short, to cut to the chase, the CEO of this energy company comes in, looks at the paper, looks at me and goes, very dazzled and confused, not dazzled, but very confused, looks at me and says, I think you're in over your head. And I I swallowed. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard that story. And I, I, and I was like, well, shit. <laughs> I'm in over my head. And, you know, a part of me was saddened. A part of me was enraged all in a matter of seconds. And I looked up at him and I said, I think you got me wrong. And I walked out. Ooh. And... I use that conversation, that five second conversation, as fire, and it's it's one of the things that uh, I think catapulted me into my success as far as my career goes. And I'm happy to say now I'm a senior uh, manager at a tech firm, and I do very, very, very well for myself. Um, thank you very much, Mr. CEO of Energy Company. I'm glad that I didn't get that job because it it projected me into exactly where I wanted to be. Right, and um. I also want to touch upon that I think the best group of people to kind of go in with the I don't give a shit mentality are younger people, right? Oh, yeah. That's the best time of your life. Because they don't, they don't have that set mindset. They're still learning. Beyond that, and I think that, I was so fortunate to get into work at a young age, right? I started working professionally at 16. But I didn't have any of the baggage of life yet, right? I was single. And I don't mean that to to knock relationships. I don't mean that to knock parenthood. I don't mean that to knock all of the other responsibilities that come with life. You were not single. You were with me. Meaning I wasn't you married. married. I wasn't married. We weren't, we weren't even engaged yet. Yeah. I had no real responsibilities. I lived with my parents. I wasn't married. I had no kids. I was 
educated enough. I was hungry enough and skilled enough where I could go out there and had no no fear of risks. And funny enough, one of the things that that led me to do was I accepted a job offer at a startup at the time, which meant I had to give up as my retail job, my retail management job. I had health insurance, eye insurance, vision. You know, I had the, the, the suite of luxury benefits. I had a 401k with some matching. I had all these perks. I gave all that up to start at the startup, which helped me learn a lot and really helped escalate my career. And then ultimately. you moved out by then, too. And then I moved out. Yeah, you were on your own. Well, not on your own, but pretty much, you know, us trying to just figure, figure it, it out. out. on our own. You're right. Haha, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> and, and that's something that we did. But my point is, when you're young, if you're in your early 20s right now and if you're not married if you don't not that you have any excuses regardless but if you don't have any of this baggage you really have no excuse go out there take the gamble take the risk go work for that startup go take that chance on and bet on yourself yeah worst worst case scenario they'll just say no and then you have your parents house to go back into especially for those that live with their parents yeah and worst case you fall flat on your face and guess what sometimes that's one of the best lessons learned yeah or better yet best thing they'll say yes exactly exactly for me it all panned out right i risked a lot and i went a few years right working at the startup i think i went three or four years with no health insurance no 401k none of these perks because i was part of a scaling team i was part of growing a team we didn't have any money for that but it all worked out in the end um and and i'm glad i took that risk thank god for no broken ankle at that time yeah, funny enough, uh, when I had my motorcycle accident and snapped my ankle and leg, uh, I did have health insurance, and I'm grateful I did because I think that was like a $70,000 uh, operation that I had. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, when you uh, when you snap some bones and it requires some titanium uh, to put it all back together, it's it adds pretty up pretty penny. It adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. I just want to mention real quick some other people that I have on my list as far as people that successful people as we know them today steve jobs you know that guy i think so you know most people know the story because of the movie jobs uh which is a good movie have you seen it no oh really good movie we should watch it i'll watch it again with you okay um but steve jobs did you know that he was fired from his own company what in 1985 i want to say he the board fired him uh from his own company he went on to start you know what company apple no, he was fired from Apple. Oh, okay. So in 1985, I believe he was the CEO. Mm-hmm. He got fired by the board, pissed whoever off, fired from his own company. Imagine that. You start a company, becomes really successful, and they were crushing IBM already at the time. Mm-hmm. Gets fired, goes on to start Pixar. Oh, wow. I did not know that. And then comes back to join Apple later on. Besides the fact that he started another successful company, comes back to rejoin Apple and obviously was one one of the brilliant minds who spearheaded uh, the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad, all of these uh, marvels of technology as we know them today. Walt Disney is another one. Did you know Walt? Do you know Walt Disney's story? Did he get fired from his company too? <laughs> no. So the creator of Mickey Mouse was fired from a newspaper for not being creative enough. Imagine that. The guy behind Disney, Mr. Walt Disney himself, was bull. fired for not being creative enough. That's that's my favorite character, so that's bull. So he used this setback to as motivation to build an entertainment empire that still thrives today. And I don't know if you know this, but Disney today isn't just the Disney that we that we know, meaning it's not just Disney Parks and the Disney Channel. They're a multimedia 
Empire. They own ABC. They own Marvel. Marvel. They own Star Wars. They own National Geographic. I didn't know about that. Yeah, if you look on the Disney, so on and so forth. If you look on uh, Disney Plus, you'll see National Geo like Geographic shows on there. I don't know if that means they own it. Do they own it? Well, I don't think they'll be able to put. Hold on, I gotta verify that real quick. Hold on. (laughs) Does Disney own National Geo? What would you do without your your tablet? I just upgraded uh, to ChatGPT4. Stop. Yeah, I upgraded to Plus today. Nice. Yes, Disney owns National Geographic. In 2019, Disney acquired National Geographic as part of an acquisition of 21st Century Fox. I didn't know they owned 21st Century Fox as well. I'm so proud of myself right now. My, My brain is surprising me. So shout out to Walt Disney. He created and what continues to be a, a hell of a company, one that continues to scale. And one of my favorite stories, Mr. Albert Einstein, right? The, the guy that gets credited as being the genius that he was, but the brilliant physicist was considered a poor student. Imagine that someone who we think of today as a genius was actually considered a poor student and was even expelled from school before going on to develop his theories of relativity. Imagine that. Mr. Albert Einstein, the genius as we know him, was expelled from school for being a poor student. That's crazy. And that's just a few examples. Yeah. So what are examples of, like, strategies for developing a growth mindset, would you say? Uh, there's There's a lot of strategies. One of my favorite is goal setting. I do this both personally, we do this personally, both as individuals and as a couple, and I do this in my business practice. So I'll start with my business practice first. So like I mentioned, I'm a senior manager at a technology company. My most recent project is a project called Page Alive, something that I'm very passionate about. It's a live video chat widget. Uh, and to cut to the chase, we have a really big goal of getting to a thousand, getting on a thousand websites by the end of the year. We're on two websites as of today. Whoa. So that is a big, big goal. And the reason that I set this big goal is because it sets a fire on your ass, right? My, when I told my team, they're like, uh, Rick, that's, that's a lot. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, guys, it is. <laughs> right? And we do this personally. Tell people how we set our goals personally. Uh, we have a nice vision board upstairs. Why do we call it a vision board? Because... They're things we're going to obtain. Bingo. Bingo. The problem with goal setting that a lot of people have, they think of these things, these goals as maybe I'll get there one day. Eh, Wrong answer. It's not maybe am I going to get there one day. It's when I'm going to get there. It's I'm going to get there. So our vision board isn't a thing, things that we are nice to have. It's a vision. It's things it's we vision. literally see ourselves with. It's things that we see ourselves with. And, yeah. it's, and it's just a matter of time. So on our vision board, we have a his, a hers, and an our section. So pretty self-explanatory. But I'll let you run, it th- run, run them through what that means, the his, hers, and our section. Well, I think it's very important to have personal goals, right? Just because you're in a relationship or you're married doesn't mean that you stop being your own individual self a lot of people forget that yeah so they carry on their significant other's identity and they forget to be themselves they lose themselves they in the lose process. themselves and that leads to ultimately relationship issues yeah divorce because you 
you start to blame the other person for losing your own identity when you reality, allow them. you allow you allow that to happen. You probably led that on. So don't get me wrong. You and I have a great relationship, uh, but we're, we still respect that we're our own individual people, right? right? There's things that you like. There's things that I like. Right. Right. There's things. And if you look at our vision board, uh, funny enough, when you look at the his and her section, they're very vastly different. And then the things that we do have in common, the things that we want to uh, that we're going to achieve together are in the hour section. So, for example, we want to achieve uh, one of the things that we're going to do is charity work. We want to start several foundations, several nonprofit foundations, several charities. That's in the hour section. Yeah. Right. Homes. Homes. Right. Cars. Cars. And you have your own individual cars. I have my too. own individual cars that I want for me, right? And there's cars that w- we consider as family cars that we want to have for the family to share it with each other. Right. And I have my, uh, you know, of course, my bags and my shoes. That yeah. doesn't benefit you. That benefits me. Exactly. And that's okay mm-hmm. because it inspires you to work that much harder. That's right. And it inspires me to work that much harder. So I'm not working just for you or I'm not working just for me, but I'm working for me and I'm working for you and vice versa. Right. So that's a good one. Setting goals. I think another one is just like willing to to get feedback. Bingo. (laughs) That's a great point. And that's where I think the world of mentorship and coaching comes in. I'm going to say that again. One of the aspects to your point of growing is getting feedback this is an area excuse me this is an area where a lot of people get shy and criticism because they're afraid of criticism yeah they're afraid of someone telling them that their idea is stupid i struggled with this and every once in a while i will right i'll come to you and be like i and i won't get into any specifics but i'll come to you and say oh so and so you know bash this idea that i had but what I'll realize days later after I reflect on it, so-and-so is probably right. Yeah, yeah. Because what we don't realize is that those criticisms, it's just a different perspective we didn't think of. And that's important. It's important for growth to get this feedback because the especially if it's from the right person, and that's important to know, you don't want to... You don't want to indulge the wrong type of feedback. And the wrong type of feedback usually comes from people... Sometimes even within your circle, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, and I'm just going to say that you are a ref- you, you become a reflection of who you spend the most time around and with. So it's important to have people in your circle that are even better than you, that are doing better than you, that maybe you aspire to be because they're going to inspire you, they're going to motivate you, and they're going to give you good constructive feedback to become a better version of yourself. Right. And not only should we just like, seek the feedback but we should embrace the challenges absolutely right my my boss who is my mentor in a in a number of different ways and i worked hard to get this mentor let me just say my my, my boss is a harvard uh university uh business school graduate right so this is someone who went to harvard i'm a product not to knock my school and i'm, I'm proud of the school i went to but i didn't go to an ivy league school so the fact that i have someone who did go to an ivy league school harvard at that who gets to mentor me that in and of itself is a blessing and it and it changes my perspective because he approaches things from a different perspective and a different set of education a different set of skills and a different set of experiences than, than i have he's also a lot older than me and that's another thing most of our friends funny enough are either our age or significantly older we don't have a lot of friends that are, or any friends really that are younger than us 
I don't think so, no. Right. And, uh, you know, you tell me all the time you have an old soul. And I think in largely in part that's due to the people that I hang around. I right. Very old soul. <laughs> so. And I think also we should learn how to just have fun in the process. Right. You know, people think of goals and you have to be so serious. And, yes, I'm going to do this. And I think of, like, the military soldiers, like, all right, we're going to do this. But have fun along the way. And I know a lot of people in the military. They enjoy themselves. Yeah. They have fun along they the way. They grew a love and a passion. For what they do. For what they do. And that's important. Passion needs to be at the epicenter of what you're doing. Because if you don't have a passion for what you're doing, if you're not enjoying it, if you're not having a good time, the odds of you succeeding in that endeavor are limited to none. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's not about being perfect, but embracing the journey along the way. And it's what you learn throughout the journey that'll ultimately get you to what you're trying to achieve. Say that again. I don't think I can repeat it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have to learn how to embrace the journey along the way. Absolutely. The highs and the lows, right? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the, the quote or the saying, something along the lines of perfection is the enemy of growth? I have not heard of that, but I like that. I, I forget what uh, I forget what book I read that in, but it's a commonly heard phrase, and it means that the pursuit of perfection can sometimes hinder our ability to grow because we're so obsessed with being perfect that we're missing the big picture. We're missing the perspective, right? And one of the many things that my boss says and is known for saying is there's a five-minute version, there's a 15-minute version, and there's a five-hour or five-day version, right? And that that's a long-winded way of saying that sometimes the five-minute version is okay. It's enough, right? You don't have to obsess yourself in becoming perfect because you're missing sometimes an opportunity that's going to go right by. I like that. That's awesome. Ooh, strong, deep topics. What is it with us at strong, deep topics? I find them interesting. I, I think sometimes you, you get nervous to talk about them because I think you worry that they may be boring. But I, I'm i excited. And this goes in line with my work, right? And I think that's one of the reasons that I, I enjoy talking about it because as a leader, as a boss, as a manager, as a mentor, coaching is part of my everyday life. So if I can take that, and one of the reasons I enjoy what I do is because there's this rewarding thing that happens in the world of coaching. Whether you're coaching a football team or you're coaching a team of software developers, there's something that happens when you see people become better versions of themselves, yeah. particularly in real time. It's very satisfying. It's very rewarding. It's one of the things that I'm extremely passionate about, and I've made it my life journey. So if we can share a little bit of what we know, a little bit of what we accredit our success to back with our listeners... I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And I, I think I grew my mindset in agreeing to do this episode. So that's one way to look at it. Yeah. And, and I encourage all of our leaders to adapt a growth mindset. It will change your life. It has for us. And I want to go back to an earlier point. You're, I grew up in a fixed mindset household in almost a fixed mindset culture. I was susceptible to that. And I don't know what it was, but I fought it. I fought it with everything in me because I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe that that was it, that that was all that I was going to get to, that my dreams were too big. And it's important, again, to the earlier point, it is very important to revolve yourself around people that are going to push you and motivate you and not the people that are telling you, you dream too big. 
not the people. And, and often enough, it's people in your family. Often enough, it's people that are close to you that maybe don't want to see you succeed. I don't think it's necessarily that they don't want to see you succeed. I think that is their version of you succeeding. That safety net. That could be a part of it. I'm trying to protect you. Of course, you have those that are envious. I I think a part of it, it, and maybe this is what you're getting at, is they don't want to see you fail. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to see you fall flat on your face. They're shielding you. They're protecting you. And we see this in a lot of aspects, particularly with parenthood, right? No, Jimmy, don't jump in the puddle of mud. No, fuck it. Let Jimmy jump in the puddle of mud. Not even that, Rick. One good example that I've heard all my life, not just from, you know, people close to me, but just in general. For those people that want to go to school for like journalism and creative art, you know, they're afraid to go ahead and pursue those things because Lots of family members and parents say to them, get something where, or jump into something where you know you'll have income coming in. Something that's safe. Yeah. Right. That's why a lot of parents, you know, and we see this particularly in cultured uh, families, right? And I'm not going to name any cultures in specific, uh, specifically, and I'm not going to throwing one under the bus but there's plenty of cultures that you need to become a doctor you need to become a, an, an attorney right you, you, a lawyer an attorney something along those lines yeah. it's the safe paths it's the safe careers um but i'm sorry if you're a hell of an artist then believe in yourself that you're a hell of an artist and just go out there and do what you got to do yeah but it's up to people to have a growth mindset and push and and, and inspire those around us right and that's what i think we're trying to do in this episode Right? So whatever you want to be, you want to be a monkey trainer? You want to train monkeys for the circus? By all means, become the best (laughs) monkey trainer that you can be. No, seriously. You want to be a musician? Whatever you want to be, here's the key. Don't make excuses. Dedicate your life to it. Obsess over it. Put in the hard work and be the best at whatever that thing is and if you find some challenges embrace those challenges and just find other ways to get around those challenges but also learn from those challenges yeah and i just want to reiterate it's not too late if you're in your 20s go and do it if you're in your 30s go and do it if you're in your 40s go and do it if you're in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, it's never it. too late. <laughs> Go and do it. No, seriously, it's never too late. I know millionaires that became millionaires in their 60s. No, you know what's crazy? Because I know people that have that were nurses. And they're like, you know what? I love nursing and I love what it showed me, but I want to be a doctor. And they're well into their 40s and their 50s. And you know how long it takes to get to you know pre-med and then oh, med yeah. school? But they do it. Absolutely. I mean, I see that all the time. You even see that in nursing. How many people in nursing didn't start off as nurses? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? That's their second or third career. I remember thinking to myself when I was an undergrad, I was like, I got a whole bunch of old heads in my class. And it was crazy. I'm like, what, what's going on here? Like, am I missing the bigger picture? But then I, I got older, right? And I started to, to shift my perspective. And now I wish I could go back to those people and be like good for you 
So, and shout out to my friends that I do have that are older than me and are hell of nurses right now. Shout out to the younger ones. Shout out to the yeah. older ones. Again, it's a, it's a tough field, man. It's a tough field. Age is nothing but a number. Don't let it define you. In certain instances, we're not going to say that for relationships. What do you mean? Age is nothing but a number. There's people That's, that find love at a, a later on in their life. All right, do it later on. <laughs> Let's not do it when we're younger. Hey, to each their own, right? To each their own. Um, who is someone that inspires you? Who's someone that has a growth mindset that inspires you? Honestly, I would have to say you. Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> it would have to be you. She's so cute. Because honestly, like. We, what do you want? We've, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I need your bag. I'm just shoes. kidding. Um, I used to have a small mindset. I was very confined into this is, I, I didn't think I could dream too big. And I tell you this all the time. And yes, you know, growing up, we've had our own financial struggles. And, you know, we learn still to this day. We learn a lot. But when we got our first Mercedes, I thought to myself, like, this is not the kind of car we should be getting right now because we're young. We're still figuring out our lives. And I was just like, yeah, let's get a Honda or let's get a Ford. Not knocking those cars because they're great cars. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they last for a long time. But to be young and have a luxury car, it was a good freaking feeling. It, it came with a lot of trouble and a lot of responsibility, which is why I understand. What do you mean by trouble? I mean... To, be, popping, to explain. Popping tires. It wasn't expensive. It, it was. Look, part of having luxury, anything involves higher cost, right? Um, so that first Mercedes was a was a sports sedan. Uh, it was a... C300. AMG package. So it had 19-inch wheels, uh, low-profile tires, staggered wheels. So in New York, that meant popping a lot of tires. Uh, each oh, tire cost $400. Yeah. So that added up pretty quickly. Pirelli's. I will never forget that word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was I was so like, like you're like wow it is possible. I was dumbfounded. I was just like, wait, what? Like I'm. 20. How old were you when we got our first Mercedes? Twenty four, I want to say twenty four, twenty five. No, before that. Twenty four. We moved down. I moved down at twenty one. Twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. Yeah, I was probably like we were probably like twenty three. Yeah, and so, you know, not bad. Twenty three, we got our first Mercedes. Yeah, but I was uh, to disclaimer to all the gentlemen out there: once you get your wife on a German car, it's very hard to walk that back. <laughs> we still drive German to this day, but I will say you you pay a higher price tag, but you get what you pay for. Yeah, I like my European. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Rick is Portuguese, which is why I made that uh, funny, funny, funny comment. Yeah, now she wants a Portuguese water dog, so she just can't, yes. she just can't get enough. <laughs> but that's a topic for a different day, subject for a different day. Um, someone that inspires me, someone who I identify as having a growth mindset, there's actually two people. Uh, one of the initial people that inspired me, I, kind of someone who I grew up reading about, was Andrew Carnegie. Are you familiar with Andrew Carnegie? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you know who he was? 
the steel dude. He was the the steel magnet. Uh, so Andrew Carnegie was a Scottish immigrant. So one of the really, one of the many things I liked about him was the fact that he was an immigrant himself. And I, I'm not an immigrant, but I'm the product of two immigrants. So I related to him on that aspect. But one of the most remarkable things about Andrew Carnegie's story is he knew jack shit about steel. And he went on to becoming one of the wealthiest, actually the wealthiest person of his time, by building the steel empire by knowing nothing about steel. But what he had was a growth mindset. He was a learner. He continued to evolve and adapt himself. And... There was a lot of amazing things that he did, but he ended up giving a lot of his money, if not most of it, or if not all of it, uh, to charity and, and to philanthropic efforts. So he's one of uh, of a couple people who inspired me. Um, in today's world, uh, Elon Musk is someone who I identify. And there, I know there's some people that are going to try to cancel me for even mentioning Elon Musk and you know have bad things to say about him. But I think you got to give the guy credit, right? The guy started PayPal. Went on to uh, start te- Tesla. Went on to SpaceX. I mean, this guy is at the forefront of innovation. He's accomplishing thing things that people think thought weren't possible in our lifetime. Things that people thought weren't be possible in multiple lifetimes beyond ours, and he's already doing it. So I think he's pushing boundaries in his respective industries. And I don't know what he thinks, but I'm pretty sure I can attribute it to his growth mindset. That's that's awesome. I mean, when I look at people, I don't look at them for their, especially like successful people, I don't look at them for their social life. I look at them for, I try to separate that. I look at them for their, pretty much like their brain, their thoughts. Right. Right. You could say whatever, whatever, you know, but it's the fact that you made it. You clearly have something different from other people. So I want to touch touch upon that because you're like, oh, I might get canceled by saying that. But it's not, oh, about, I don't care. It's not about his social life. It's about what he's accomplished. But that's part of the problem. And, and there's going to be a whole other episode that we we'll probably get into cancel culture. I think that could be a fun episode for us to get into. But that's why I don't. I don't, I don't feed into it. No, seriously. Screw cancel culture because so many people are so quick to cancel someone over some stupidity, some nonsense, and discredit all of their years of remarkable work. For what? Why can't For your feelings? We be friends? <laughs> world peace, world peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are some resources beyond just us talking uh, that people can use to go uh, – Build their growth mindset. I I mentioned the book in the beginning, but I highly recommend Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's an awesome book. I've read it a couple of times, um, and it's full of good advice and great lessons. Uh, Another book, and probably my all-time favorite book, is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, Really remarkable book. Uh, Just surrounding yourself with a positive environment, right? Because, like you said, the people you surround yourself with – they're going to, through conversations, they're going to change or, you know, say something that's going to make you go, hmm, you know, and influence you in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a book reader, choose your, your circle wisely. You know, they, it, it, it can come a long way. Honestly. Absolutely. Look- I don't have time to read books other than my nursing books right now, but I can tell you I have a hell of a circle. Where I can and that's critically important. bounce ideas to and, you know, get criticism and feedback and embrace those feedback and just form whatever I want from there. 
that's a great point. And I just want to echo that point where books is just one media outlet. We live in an age where you're walking around with a supercomputer called an iPhone in your pocket, right? You have podcasts, you have videos. There's so much out there where you can learn and digest. The people you hang around to Amanda's point is, is probably at the top of the list as far as critical things that you need to do immediately. Surround yourself around people who you want to emulate. If you're hanging out with people who you don't want to be like, you're wasting your time. Yeah. We tell each other all the time, we don't have time to go hang out with those type of people. You know, no disrespect to them, but we left a lot of people on our past that just couldn't keep up. And, you know, that's not because we didn't like them. That's just because they weren't heading in the direction we want it to go in right it's a good example or a good analogy is if we're trying to drive to las vegas for example and someone else is driving to toronto they're going in the opposite direction are we going to follow them no we're going to keep driving yeah and it's up to them if they want to drive in our direction or not and a lot of people feel bad don't don't feel bad because Feel bad for what? At the end of... Some people feel bad for like, oh, you know, I'm not doing my job as a friend to help this person grow. Sometimes you just can't help somebody. They have to help themselves. I'm not saying 100%. They have to help themselves. And I'm not saying you don't try to help people. There's a lot of people that I've tried to help that didn't want to help themselves. And that was the key indicator that, okay... I'm out of here. I will always try to help a friend. I will always try to give feedback. I will always be that guy that tries to coach. And I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. But I'll invest the time for so long. If I realize you're not getting it or better yet that you're not trying, I'm not going to waste my time, man. I got too much shit to... I got too much shit on my vision board. Yeah. And I mean... What I was trying to get at is that sometimes you'll have those people where you're... You have to think to yourself like, oh, this is emotionally draining, Right, because that kind of throws you off your track. Yeah, it's taxing. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, if you have those people that you you sit there and and you see the f- I call those the do not answer people on the phone on the phone. It's like, ugh, you look at your phone and you're like, I don't feel like talking to this person right now. You know what's funny? These people don't even call me because you got rid of them. <laughs> they don't even try. They know. They just know. I don't know what it is. Not to sound arrogant, but they just know. <laughs> you sound a little. They just know. They don't bother calling me. Oh. Well, well then good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so we, we, we shared our thoughts. We shared our insight. We gave you some resources to go after. If anyone has any questions, you can always email us, DM us on Instagram. Um, Give us examples on how you're working towards your goal, how you're growing your mindset. Yeah, what are you doing? We'd love to hear it and uh, and chat about it. All right. I think that's it. Cool. See ya.